And good morning, everybody. So happy to be with you guys this morning. I am just excited for this passage, excited to preach the word. I'm, my dr- adrenaline just feels like it's spiking. I feel like I'm going to explode just standing up here. I'm so excited. Um, love this passage of scripture. Um, originally, Bjorn Olsen was supposed to be the one speaking this morning, but he had a family um, appointment he had to get to. And so he asked me if I'd sub for him. And I said, yes. And just so excited. I feel like this is this Galatians 3, 15 through 29 passage is really a climax in the book. Um, the pinnacle passage in our study of Galatians. So super excited to speak it with you guys this morning. And uh, yeah, we've had a great morning so far. You guys feeling peppy from the uh, daylight savings time? People feeling good? So, yep. <laughs> well, very good. Thank you, Sebastian and the team, for leading us in the worship music. And um, thank you guys who shared in the Lord's Supper this morning. That was a great Lord's Supper service this morning, so... We've already been having a good morning, but nevertheless, let's have a word of prayer, and then we will look at the text of Scripture. So here we go. Let's have a word of prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get this opportunity to study the book of Galatians. Uh, Thank you for the freedom we have in this country to open your word and boldly proclaim your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be working among us and planting these truths deep. Uh, We don't want the word of God just to go in one ear and out the other, but I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and our lives. Uh, We do ask for your help this morning. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit on a side note, this is my first time speaking since the auditorium um, renovations. Can you guys hear me okay? You can hear me good? Okay, sounds good. There's just, it sounds different, and so it's kind of a new sensation, so just, just making sure. Nevertheless, here we go. Galatians 3, 15 to 29. I want to draw your attention to a song by our good buddy Stephen Curtis Chapman, penned back in 1994. Stephen Curtis Chapman, he wrote these words. He said these words to this song actually just came to him suddenly. I think he was outside um, with his kids. And these these lyrics to this word, to this song, just kind of hit him. Where is the hope? Where is the peace? that will make this life complete. For every man, woman, boy, and girl looking for heaven in the real world. Where is the hope? Where is the peace? And I have to admit, there's sometimes I feel like that. This is a lost, dark world we live in. And I agree with that sentiment. Sometimes I feel like that. Where is hope? Where is peace in this life? You know, if you watch the news a lot, you'll 
You might generally get discouraged. Uh, you'll hear about problems here and abroad. Uh, you think about troubles in our own lives that we face, hardships we face that, um, that drag us down. I know I work with hospice patients, and I'll be honest with you, working with so much dementia is tough on me. Um, Just to see the slow deterioration of death. Um, There are some mornings where um, I have a day of hospice work in front of me, and I struggle to get out of bed in the mornings. Uh, Sometimes I think about the dementia um, that I face and um, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. I'm thankful, honestly, I have to take the kids to school in the morning. It's an easy uh, motivation to get out of bed. I know thinking about this dark, lost world, there's been times in my life where I've struggled with nightmares. And I know this might sound childish, but I tell you, it's not fun having a two weeks straight of just vivid, terrible nightmares. Um, It's awful. It's awful. Um, About twice a year that happens for a couple weeks. And um, it just, it's a reminder of this dark, lost world that we live in. Where is the hope? Where is the peace that will make this life complete? Well, we are studying the book of Galatians, and thankfully, in Galatians, you see that the hope for this world is in Jesus Christ and his gospel message. Hope is found in Jesus Christ and his gospel message. This morning... In this passage, it's Galatians 3, 15 through 29. I invite you to turn there. This is the title for my message this morning. Abraham, the law, and now Christ. Abraham, the law, and now Christ. In this passage, he's going to talk through, the Apostle Paul is the author, he's going to talk through promises made to Abraham. He's going to talk about the Jewish law and he's going to bring it on home and talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a few background notes. We've been studying, of course, the book of Galatians. Galatians is Paul's letter to the believers in Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, The theme, if you had a theme for Galatians, it is justification by faith. Justification, meaning declared right. You are justified. It is a legal term. We are guilty in sin, but because of Christ, what Christ has done, you can be justified. You can be declared right. If I had to give a nickname for the book of Galatians, I would say pocket-sized Romans. Okay? Many of us know the book of Romans. I would say Galatians, in many regards, is a smaller, compacted, pocket-sized book of Romans. And so there's a lot of overlap in the themes there. Like George's simple outline he's been using for us, um, chapters one through two are biographical. Talk about Paul's apostleship, kind of defending his, his apostleship, 
saying who he was and his background and his um, authority, you might say, how he was sent directly from Christ. Chapters 3 through 4 are doctrinal. I'm really focusing on that idea of justification. Through Christ, you are declared right. You can be declared right through Jesus Christ. And chapters 5 and 6 are application, application. How do we apply some of these truths? And you think of sanctification. How in our lives can we be sanctified, made holy? So just some background notes on the book of Galatians. Uh, Once again, our title, Abraham, the law, and now Christ. Um, We'll begin in verse 15. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he's been talking about promises, um, blessings that were given to Abraham, covenant that was made with Abraham. And let's pick it up in verse 15, talking about this covenant. Uh, To give a human example, brothers, even a man-made covenant, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. So he says, think about this. Covenants, you can't just go around changing them willy-nilly. Once a covenant is set, it is set, okay? It would be kind of like similar, like if I went, if I got home from work one day and said, Charity, I'm thinking about changing up our wedding vows. We need to change those up a little bit. There's some parts to it, you know. That she's, what? That sounds absurd. Uh, he says, even with a man-made covenant, No one seeks to change it. Um, We get this. Like human agreements, human contracts, human promises, we, we recognize that you can't just change it after it's agreed upon. Um, I'll give you another example. This is going to sound silly, but it'll make the point. Um, I went to a restaurant one time and walked in the door and they were advertising burrito special 450. I was like, great. And so I was, went to the table and the waiter came and I ordered the burrito special. I said, yeah, 450, you can't beat that. And so anyway, had a nice meal, ate the burrito and chips and salsa, had some water. I thought, huh, that was a good meal. So I took my check, went to the register to pay. And when I got there to pay, they said, uh, sorry, sir, while you were eating, the burrito special went up in price. I go, what? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what to say. But, um, like, I agreed to pay $4.50. That was our agreement. $4.50, and you give me the burrito special. You can't just change it, you know, willy nilly, like, in the middle while I'm eating. Um, true story, actually. And so we recognize that that would be, that that's a very strange situation, just a, you know, a lunch meal changing the agreement. Think about the promises of God, okay? If an agreement over lunch we recognize shouldn't be changed, how much more a covenant, a promise, okay, a covenant, in a way a strong promise agreement with God, very simple definition, how much more that agreement with God shouldn't be changed, okay? We can't just go around changing these covenants of God, okay? Verse 16 
Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. So he's talking about the promises, the covenants. You think about Genesis 12, Genesis 22, some of the covenants, promises made to Abraham. Verse 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, plural, referring to many, but to one and to your offspring who is Christ. Okay? He's saying the promise made to Abraham, okay, back when that all the world would be blessed through Abraham's seed. Through your descendants, Abraham, all the nations of this world would be blessed. Paul says, look back at that. He does not say offsprings, okay, talking about Abraham's descendants, but he says your seed, your singular offspring. The promise made to Abraham, okay, the covenant made to Abraham is fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the seed of Abraham through all the world. The world would be blessed. Abraham, this promise of Abraham is foundational. This is foundational to Jews. This is foundational to believers in Christ. The promise of Abraham. Now in verse 17, he's going to talk about the law. And just to give you a little background here, the Jews had this problem um, back in the first century. You think about the law, the law of Moses, okay? They were transitioning away from that. But, as George pointed out last week in the passage, they wanted to hold on to it. They wanted to hold on to this law and not leave it. And in some regards, they wanted to like interweave it with the gospel. Is that the right way to say it, interweave it? They wanted to, they wanted to blend it together with the gospel, okay? And kind of this law and gospel together. But Paul is making the point, no, the promise of Abraham is even more foundational than the Jewish law. Look at verse 17. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards, meaning after Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. Verse 18. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. He is saying the promise of Abraham is more foundational than the Jewish law. Okay? It is more foundational. He, these Galatians, we know you love the law. We know you don't want to leave it. But the promise of Abraham is more foundational than the law. And the promise of Abraham is fulfilled in Christ. You follow the logic here? So Christ is more foundational than your Jewish law. Okay? Amen to that. Verse 18, 
I'll read it again. For if inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. I think he's in verse 18 here. He's arguing, he's arguing, you might say, naturally or to our senses. We know inherently that a promise, okay, is better than a law. Okay, just very simple. I go home from church today and I say, hey, kids, I got a, I got a new promise for you. They'd be like, oh, what you, what you got, dad? You know, oh, what's a, what's a promise? This sounds good. What if I go home from church today and say, kids, I got a new law from you. You know, that's, that's not as exciting. And so he's kind of making that point, I think, here in verse 18. You want a promise more than a law. Listen, I know you don't want to lead the law, but the promise of Abraham is better. It's better in many regards, but just think naturally. You much rather have a promise than a law, okay? You want a promise. So, if the promise was better, you might ask, why do we need the law? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's read verse 19. Why then the law? Why do we need the law? <laughs> it was added because of transgressions. Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So he says, why do we need the law? If you're saying the promise is so much better, why do we even need the law? Okay. Well, we needed it. Okay. Because of transgressions, the law showed us our sin. This law of Moses showed us that we had fallen short, okay, that we could not live up to it. It was, it taught you how to live until Christ came. The law, though the promise of Abraham is better, the law was a good thing in its time. It taught you how to live, okay, it did show you how you fell short, showed you your transgressions, and if you read Hebrews 11 or Romans chapter 4, you'll see that it was also a way to exercise faith, okay, to show your belief in God and point you forward, point your eyes looking forward to when God would fully atone for your sin. So the law was a good thing, okay? There's a, just, I always get behind on these slides. There's Abraham the promise and with his son and just supposed to be a slide to remind us of the promises of Abraham. Okay, and the title and the law. There it is. The law, the law given through Moses. Okay, it talks about an intermediary here. That intermediary, I believe, is Moses. Okay, I know some more paraphrased versions of the Bible will put in the name Moses, but Moses actually isn't in the text. Um, but I believe that is who it's, it's talking about here. The law of Moses, it had moral aspects to it, i.e. the Ten Commandments. It had civil aspects to it, how to live um, just as a nation. And we're studying the book of Ruth in our small group, and we see some of that just with uh, kinsman redeemer. 
And there's also ceremonial aspects, like worship-type aspects to the law. Um, But overall, the law, it showed their sin, showed it could not measure up. It was put in, verse 19, to show our transgressions. It was put in place by an intermediary. I mentioned Moses. I believe that's who it's talking here. Um, You think of Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, You can see angels were a part of this, passing it on to Moses. I think the text is drawing our mind here that this law, this law was a good thing. Okay, God's prophet, his intermediary, Moses, brought it. And angels were involved, okay? If angels are involved in something, I'm listening. (laughs) The messengers of God, okay? Angels were involved with it. The law was a good thing in its time. Uh, Verse 20, verse 20 is a difficult verse. I did some uh, study and um, read some commentaries on it. I believe it's talking about how there were God is an intermediary and used Moses. I believe that's the the idea here. Um, Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So God is one, but he used another intermediary, i.e. Moses. Okay, let's keep reading along. Verse 21. So you might have another question. We're talking about the law. Okay, we're talking about the uh, we're talking about Abraham, the law, and now Christ. Okay, so we got the promises of Abraham. We've got the law of Moses. They're now wondering, verse twenty-one: Is the law then contrary? Does it contradict? Is it contrary to the promises of God? So, does this promise to Abraham contradict the law? Certainly not. Verse 21, for is the law contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Okay, verse 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Once again, he says, the law that you love could not bring righteousness. It actually imprisoned you, like it says in verse 22. But the scripture, he's talking about the law of scripture. It actually imprisoned you. It could not give righteousness. Okay, it could not do it. It could show you your sin. And once again, if you read Romans 4, Hebrews 11... In a way, it could point you forward in faith. It was a tool to point you forward. It showed you how to live. It was a good thing in its time, but it could not bring righteousness. It could not do it. Verse 22. No, it is only, it is by the promise of, by faith in Jesus Christ. The promise back given to Abraham That's where faith could found, in the seed, in the offspring of Abraham, not in the law which you so love, no. And don't try to blend it, no. It's the promise of Abraham that is more foundational. This promise that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, 
by faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. If you call on the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You can have your sins forgiven. We look at the Ten Commandments, okay? Part of the law and Ten Commandments we see, you might say ratified or reaffirmed in the New Testament, at least nine of them very clear. We look at them and we see, like George used this illustration, it's like a mirror. We see them and we see we fall short, okay? And you might even, and Christ takes it a step further. You might even say, I have not murdered, but have you had murderous thoughts? Have you had murderous thoughts in your heart? You might say, do not covet. Have we ever desired something more than God or his law? Okay, we see the Ten Commandments. We see we've fallen short. What can we do? The end of verse 22, we believe in Christ. By faith, we cry out to him and we can be saved. Very simple. We trust in the promise by faith. We we see Christ in the New Testament, but we can look all the way back to Abraham and see the promised seed that can save us. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It's such a wonderful passage. Let's just keep rolling along. Verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. He's still making the point. The law held you captive. The law held you sin. It's waiting for Christ. Verse 24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith we might be declared right the law shows us our sin but in Christ we can be declared right the law the law was our guardian okay I guess I should have flipped these pictures around because first we have the promise of Abraham the promise the seed is coming through your seed Abraham all the world will be blessed that seed is coming hold on to that promise and you know, just on another note, it's, it's so powerful when you read it in context because it is in Genesis chapter 22 after the sacrifice of Isaac that was stopped, okay? Isaac wasn't the only begotten son to be sacrificed. There would be another seed of Abraham that would, be, that would die, the true only begotten son, seed of Abraham. It's so powerful. So we got the promise made to Abraham, the law guarded us, was a guardian, showed us how to live until Christ came. He's, he's making such a good case to them. I know, Galatians, I know you love the law, okay? I know it, for many years, it was our guardian. I know it helped for all these years between Abraham and today. I know it guarded you. But now Christ has come. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can be justified by faith. This law that declared you guilty, you can be not declared guilty. You can be declared right in Christ. Verse 25, but now that faith has come, 
We no longer need a guardian. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can become a child of God, a son of God, full inheritance, sonship. Oh. You know, there is an aspect where we get where, you know, every person is God's creation and there is that sense we're all his. But those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, you have a special ch title as a child of God. For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. You can become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And a child, I love the permanence there too. I don't have to worry. My kids, they don't worry that they will, I won't accept them anymore. Or if they go to jail or something. No. Hannabeth, Anthony, Elliot, Autumn, they're always going to be my kids. No matter what happens. Forever children of God. Love it. This, this, it has been such a joy. I'm just going to speak personally. Just I think Bjorn told me he couldn't speak this message. It was like four months ago. So like for four months, I've been living in Galatians chapter three. And so it's, 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 been, what a, it's been a joy. Okay, <clears throat> verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer in a, under a guardian. Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many... Of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Okay? I think um, spirit baptism is primarily in view here. Um, you think about baptism. There, scripture talks about a spiritual baptism that happens when you're saved. And there's also a water baptism, which, you know, the symbol where you're dunk, dunk, like go underwater, you know. Um, John the Baptist you know, the main man about baptism in scripture, he makes this distinction, okay? Uh, John the Baptist says, and he preached saying, there comes one after me, talking about Jesus, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and, and loose. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, Okay, kind of showing kind of a, maybe you say a two-layered idea of baptism. There's the baptism of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes on you. You're saved, okay? It's a better baptism than water baptism, okay? We love water baptism, and if you, if God has spiritually changed your life, you accepted Christ, we hope you do the physical symbol of a water baptism. That's great. Okay, and so I, I believe that's primarily in view here in 27, but it's also the idea of the unity, okay, like into Christ. Like I'll read it again. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. He's talking about the unity as well. Like you're not baptized into Christ, like some people are baptized into Christ, some are baptized into the Jewish law. No, it's, it's in Christ, okay, that you are spiritually baptized and then the physical symbol, you are 
That's done in the name of Christ as well, okay? It is through, this baptism is by Christ, not the law, okay? So it is in Christ, being spiritually baptized, you have Christ, you're in Christ, you're a son of God, you're justified. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Through faith in Jesus Christ, there is no longer the distinction, you might say, of Jew and Gentile um, in coming to God. You think of male and female, uh, back in the day, there was a little bit of more, uh, you might say, social class involved, male and female. That's not there. Slave or free. Okay, that's not there. It's anybody. Anybody who comes to Christ can be saved. Anyone who comes to Christ who is spiritually baptized in Christ, you are saved. Like it, we just, this is going to sound silly. We don't have distinctions in how you come to Christ. Like, like, okay, if you're a man coming to Christ, you say this prayer. If you're a woman, you say this prayer. If you're a slave, you have to do this, some extra steps. But if you're free, you do this, okay? Jews, this way. Gentile, no, no, no. It's all the same in Christ. We all come to Christ the same way by faith. There is not the distinctions um, in classes or Jews and Gentiles. No. The church is one, one body in Christ. This, um, unfortunately, this verse is used sometimes to say, um, I, I have to mention this just because this verse is used sometimes to say gender distinctions do not matter in their, anymore. And so just as a quick side note reference, um, we do believe that men and women are equal yet different. Okay, we believe men and women have the same value before God, but play different roles. Uh, Cross-references for later study, you can see Genesis 2, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 5, Titus 1, or Titus 2. So there you go. Just on a side note. But, uh, you know, in that, don't miss what he's saying there. Don't miss that in Christ, we don't need to hold on to the law. We don't need to become Jews, okay? It is through faith in Christ. The title, Abraham, the promise of Abraham, the law, and now Christ. I love verse 29. It's a very poetic ending to this, this section. And now if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I love, it's like a nice poetic ending. He brings it all the way back to his initial point of the promise, the covenant made with Abraham. If you are Christ, then you, you are an offspring. You receive, you are a part of this promise made to Abraham. Love it. 
such a wonderful passage, such, such a well, you might say, argued passage um, from the Apostle Paul talking about the promise of Abraham, that great promise in Genesis chapter 22, all the world would be blessed through your seed, singular, Abraham. And then the law came. It was a guardian. It had its place. It had its time. It showed you how you fell short. But then Christ came. The fulfillment of Abraham's promise the one who could declare us right. Though the law was a mirror, showed us our sin, imprisoned us, through Jesus Christ we can be saved. Call out on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You know how I start off talking about it is a dark world? The gospel of Jesus Christ is, you might say it's the sunrise to a new day waking us up each morning, motivating us to live newness of life, as it says in Galatians, new creations in Christ. Sharing this beloved message, sharing that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is truly the hope and the peace that will make this life complete. It is the hope of a new sunrise. And it is still powerful today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still changing lives. May we not leave this message. May we be excited about this message. May it motivate us for each day. I'd like to close with a story from a few years ago. Um, just a couple of years ago. This is a story of... Um, of Velda, Velda Hassman, her brother Jade, who I got to know. Um, Velda has five siblings, I believe, and uh, Jade is one of her brothers. And um, Jade, he didn't have much spiritual interest in his life. And um, he was closed off to the gospel, you might say. Um, didn't want to hear it. I know Velda was praying for him, was praying for her brother Jade. And um, just be honest, I hope this is okay to say, he was rough around the edges at times and um, wasn't afraid to uh, debate. Uh, and, um, you know, it was a little rough around the edges, might be a good way to put it. Well, Jade and his wife... Um, entered into our uh, hospice services that I work for, and uh, I was assigned to them out in Ackley, okay? I know um, Velda shared this in a letter uh, a couple years ago, too. But um, I was assigned to Jade and his wife out in Ackley, and so um, I drive out there. I don't know who he is, and um, quickly make the connection that he's related to Velda, and um, we have a good time talking, and... I always ask people if I can read the Bible to them. And so I said, sure. And I read chapter, John chapter 14 to Jade and his wife. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house were many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you? 
Jade stops me and says, wait, 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 Tony. What's this mini mansions? I don't want a mansion. A three-bedroom ranch is fine. That's what he says. So that was kind of my start with, uh, with Jade. But um, over the course of about two years, we developed a friendship. I would read him scripture, pray with him and his wife. Um, he was into uh, spiritism a bit and often talked about horoscopes and um, things of that nature. So we, we'd have some hearty discussions in there and um, we, would, we would chat. I would, would read him John 14. We kind of connected over that passage, John 14. And um, eventually his wife passed away and um, I believe she was a believer and she loved Jade and prayed for him. And, um, and that softened Jade. It softened him and our, our conversations got more focused, more directed onto the things of the Lord. Uh, he had a hard life and things, um, yeah, some hard things happened to him in life that were legit hard. And I remember one day we were, we were talking and our, our conversations were getting more focused on the things of the Lord. And, um, but Jade, he started talking about horoscopes and spiritism again. And I just stopped him. I said, Jade time out. I'm really concerned about you. I said, we talk about the things of the Lord. We talk about Christ, but then you, you go and you talk about just spiritual, strange spirituality. Jade, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned if you would die today, where you would be. He looked at me and said, wait, 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 Tony. I want to stop you there. I'm sorry. I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm trusting in Him. That part is settled. I just have some questions from time to time. That was great assurance to me. I loved hearing that. After that, our conversations got even more focused on the things of the Lord. Jade, he was watching. TV preachers on some good ones in between as like in between our visits as well. And uh, he would talk to me about what he was learning through these preachers on TV and asking me questions. We were talking about the things of the Lord. It was wonderful to see where he had been and where he was on those days. And he grew in his relationship with Christ. We, we had some really, um, you might say tender talks as well. We talked about what heaven would be like. We talked about seeing Jesus face to face. Um, we got to the point where I was telling the reality of heaven became even more real to both of us. And I would tell Jade, find my grandfather in heaven. Tell him, tell him how I'm doing. Some of you guys might not know this. Charity and I, we lost a child during labor um, 13 years ago. I said, Jade, I don't know what, this, what, it, what it's going to be like, but can you find little Alethea? Can you find her for me? He said, I will. And just we had talks like that and where the reality of heaven, the reality of Christ became even more real, knowing that he was right on his door, death was right on his doorstep. As time would have it, Jade, he, um, he got more frail and he 
came to a point where he was actively dying. And I remember visiting him um, at the end. He was laying down. He didn't open his eyes. He was breathing heavy. And I went to visit him. I said, hey, Jade, it's Tony. And just through very labored breathing, he said, hi, Tony. And I said, I opened up to him one more time. I opened up to him, John 14. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And I actually said, or maybe even a three-bedroom ranch. <laughs> and then he, he just chuckled a little bit there as he was passing away. Read that passage. Jesus says later on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it wasn't long after that that Jade Ullman, he passed away into eternity. And I think about that story. I think about, I was thinking about Jade during this passage. Jade was a person who wasn't supposed to come to Christ. You might look at him and you might look at his rough personality. You might look at how he was shunning the gospel and say, there is no hope for this guy. But I hold on to his statement where he says, the Lord Jesus Christ is my savior. I'm trusting in him. That part is settled. And I would ask you today, is that part settled with you? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? Do you know for sure? The Bible says we have all fallen short. As I talked about the law in this passage, the law is like a mirror. It shows us that we have all sinned. We've all done wrong. We are all declared guilty. But simple faith in Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Abraham, you can be saved. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again to new life. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to talk to me, talk to one of the leaders here or one of the members here. We'd love for anything for you to know for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage of Galatians chapter 3. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, thank you that this was prophesied, promised way back when in the book of Genesis to Abraham. Through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. Lord, we thank you for the guardian that was in place, the law. It did push people forward, pointed them forward, also showed us our sin. And Lord, we do recognize we've all fallen short, but thank you through Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. Believe in what he has done. You can be justified through faith in Christ. Lord, we pray that if there be someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as his or her savior, that today would be the day. Give them the courage to talk to myself, talk to a leader here, talk to somebody. Help them not to leave here or at least go to bed tonight without knowing for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is their savior. They've been justified by him. Once again, thank you for the hope Jesus Christ, he is the hope, he is the peace that will make this life complete. 
And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.